0: The following content is not a substitute for medical advice. Hey hey, hey, hey! doctor and the DJ, doctor and
1: Amy, I find myself in New York. Where are you? I am in our home studio in Seattle. How's the studio? In West Seattle.
0: How is it there?
1: It's great. Yeah, it's I'm,
0: quiet. I'm over in New York at the Cutting Room Studios here, uh, our home away from home. And um, Amy, I was walking around our neighborhood and uh, I had to go get a snack before the show today uh, as I'm over here in New York doing the show. And um, I went I went to the, the Whole Foods, which is in the Bowery uh, area. And I remembered our Christmas tree that we had in New York. We lived in Lower East Side. <laughs> so when I... I went through some things here in New York and um, then I was here living alone. Well, I did have a small child, three-year-old living in the home and we got a Christmas tree. And, and you know, when you're going through a divorce and going through um, <laughs> tough times during the holidays, like when my parents got divorced, Amy, oh man, I had a BMX bike, Atari 2600. It's the greatest Christmas of my life. So anyway, I got the giant tree in presents for my oldest kid. Uh, well, I guess he wasn't my oldest kid then. He's my only kid. But um, anyway, so I didn't. I lived in New York, and I'm dumb. I didn't know what to do with the with the tree. So I shoved it onto the fire escape, and I lived on a sixth floor walk up, and then forgot about the tree. Then Amy <laughs> came to visit me. Remember, we were watching the news. He said that,
1: it was January. <laughs> it was like January 16th. Oh,
0: well into January. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the the um, they said it's your last day to get rid of your uh, Christmas trees, and so I was gonna throw and to it. Off. Put it out. Yeah, was, and
1: they come get them.
0: I was gonna throw it off the uh, the uh, fire escape, but I didn't do it. So we decided uh, to drag it down late at night, down six floors of stairs. We put it out there, um, and swept up pine needles for about two hours after that.
1: Well, I think we swept up pine needles for about two years after that. Yeah, I yeah. think that.
0: <laughs> Anyone living in that apartment. We
1: found those dead pine needles in every nook and cranny in that apartment. And I bet whoever lives in that apartment now is still finding them. No question. No question. It was us. It was us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um,
0: I'm in New York because I was um, I-, I was just trying to get, I-, I just needed a break. And I'm someone who actually goes to New York to get a break. It's a place that I love. I feel anonymous here. I can walk around. There's a lot's going on. So yeah, I got, I got out of Seattle for a few days, Amy.
1: Yep, you sure did.
0: Um, go ahead.
1: No, I think um, you and I both do this. We take breaks from our life. And, you know, during the pandemic, you and I, were taking turns you know when it felt more safe not during the like full-blown lockdowns but when it felt like more safe and we were kind of like opening up we were so stir crazy you know you and i would take turns and we went and like stayed in a hotel for a couple nights right just by ourselves to just get a break and i frequently go down to LA or, um, take a break. I've done a lot of traveling this year. John, um, was definitely in need of, um, a little alone time. <laughs> yes. John, why, why do you think, um, what, what benefits have come from going to New York for you? Like what?
0: Um, well, I, I, when we were, you know, I forgot why I was coming here. I was stressed out about leaving. You know, any parent has guilt about ever leaving their kids or, you know, you think... I'm a, I am have control issues like with anxiety. Anxiety, you're just trying to control your... You're trying to control a situation, right? So if you leave, you can't control anything. And so for people with anxiety, um, I think traveling sometimes or, or going on your own is scary. Um, and then you're also... Uh, have to start dealing with things. That's why when we go on vacation, there's like a two or three day window where at least for me, it's tough. It's it's a tough window where I'm coming into like my mental health and my struggles and I have to face everything. And so when we are wa- we are walking around our neighborhood and I was Amy said, Are you excited? <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, Amy knows she's going to be at home dealing with our dog who is still recovering from surgery, dealing with our child, dealing with all the stuff at home. And, you know, and she's like, I'd be excited <laughs> getting out of here. And I said, I don't know. And she said, Well, why, why did you just, why were you going? And I got back to, Well, I, I just, I just, I wanted a, just a break. I just needed some time to myself. And it's okay to say that. And I forget that sometimes it's been, I think since the pandemic two years go by, even after the height of the pandemic, where we haven't taken care of ourselves, we haven't had our own time. We were so used to being cooped up and everything. I just finally, it was like, man, I think I, I just think I need a few days away, um, to get it together. So that's why.
1: Yeah, I am. I think it's important in any relationship you're in, whether it's a marriage or, um, a working relationship in which John and I have both <laughs> or a parenting relationship that um, you don't forget about doing things you love and what makes you happy and I think we busy ourselves and especially in midlife we have all these obligations and all these things that we're busying ourselves with that, it's almost like we've taken on monthly payments does that make sense like we've maxed out our regular monthly payments of things and but it's of energy and we are maxed on our monthly regularly recurring energy drains if that makes sense like you you have certain responsibilities at home. If you have kids, you have responsibilities with kids. You have responsibilities in the marriage. And then, like with John and I, we own businesses together. You have responsibilities in the business. And then you forget to do things you love and you forget to have fun and you forget to take a break. But what happens to couples is they start scorekeeping. So it's super toxic and it builds resentment. And it's this idea that, oh, well, if you do this, I'm going to go do this. Well, you got to do this. Well, I'm going to do this. And it doesn't come from a loving, supportive place. It comes from a resentful um, payback place. Does that make sense? And then, and then sometimes though, the flip side of that is, is that if someone is a, like, I don't. I hate using the word permission because then people get into this sense of permission, right? Like, well, I allowed you to go play golf or whatever, or I allowed you to go out with the girls or whatever it is. Um, it's almost like because people are not doing that, when they finally get a chance to do that, there is absolutely a tendency to abuse it. And then you create the situation for resentment. Does that make sense? Like it's a self-fulfilling prophecy.
0: Yeah, no, that that makes sense to me. We don't have the scorecard in in our in our current marriage. Um, we definitely had them in the past. It's it's a hard one because it's a it's a bit of a scar too. You're used to, well, you're used to a scorecard. And so if, you know you 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 do this then it's going to come back to you like you've done something wrong and I, and you're not doing anything wrong when you're taking care of yourself someone just said uh boundaries are very hard with your loved ones like that is putting on your own oxygen mask and creating boundaries within your relationship is a very diff it's actually much more difficult than i think we realize to tell that person. it's almost easier to put boundaries up with people you aren't that close to because it's easier, right? You're not with that person every day. So I'm with you there.
1: Yeah. Um, John, Ever, um, I'm going to segue this conversation into something near and dear to your heart. Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> We're going to talk about pickleball.
0: I, I can talk about... You know I can talk about pickleball. <laughs> till the, the whiffle so, balls come home, I can talk about pickleball.
1: So the observer... Which is me. <laughs> okay. I'm the observer okay. of this and John. Um, John grew up playing tennis. Yep. John has always played sports. He's yes. always been active in playing sports. He used to play ultimate frisbee. He's just like, he loves sports. He's like our youngest who is a sporty spice. They're both sporty spice. Just love competitive sports. Okay. When John's sister died, John's went to a pickleball court with our, with our friend. I went to a cul-de-sac with Joe? with
0: Joe as part of Ruinous Media. With Joe. This podcast. Yeah. Shout out Joe.
1: Hi Joe. Hi,
0: Joe. <laughs> you knew we get some podcasts on, but we're producer. bringing death with the podcast. Sorry.
1: Yeah. So he went and played pickleball in the cul-de-sac yeah. and was like, yeah, I got to do this. And then started playing more pickleball and then more pickleball and then more pickleball and then more pickleball. And, Every time I turned around, John was not home. He was playing pickleball. And at first, it wasn't a lot of communication. <laughs> and it was weird for me because absolutely, 100%, I support John and his mental health and his sports and doing what he wants. But like, there was no conversation. There's no conversation. And what was happening too, I think, John, from an observer's point, I was observing you and it's okay because it was kind of the only way you could distract yourself and be in the moment from the pain that you were feeling of losing your sister.
0: Yeah, when I when I played tennis, I played since I was young. For some reason, I was get, I started playing tennis in Sioux City, Iowa, which doesn't seem like a tennis hub, but I played since I was very little. And I played, and then when I was a kid, and I through high school, I was on the team or whatever. Uh, five to six days a week and sometimes I'd be on the court for five hours at a time. And that seemed absolutely normal to me. And same with Ultimate Frisbee. I played Ultimate Frisbee. So what do I do? I started the University of Washington Ultimate Team. Shout out, son, Dodgers. Uh, my brother and I started the team. It's a massive club sport. But what I'm bringing that up for is that same thing. Practice, tournaments. I'm playing five, six days a week. So I start playing pickleball and yeah, I start playing obsessively. And why is that? Obsessively. I mean, I like, like, I like playing. I like being outside. There's, it's very healthy. Like, you're outside. You're around other people. So let's get that clear first. Like, all good. Um, but there's a limit to that. And it's good to be social. It's good to get outside. It's good to exercise. But when you are starting to just abandon everybody and go do something else, that's a bit of an addiction. And in a bit, uh, but more than anything, it's more of a distraction. And that way I don't have to face my dead sister. I don't have to deal with my messed up brain that is deals with <clears throat> anxiety. You know, actually, you know, I think about it, Amy, when <laughs> the worst day I've ever had out there was when I was doing that. I was just playing too often. I was just going up. There's any chance I got. I'm like, I just got to get out of the house. I just got to go do this. And it was one of those smoke days where you shouldn't be outside. And i'm out there playing for hours covered in smoke probably taking years off my life and it really hit me out there really what am i doing what am i doing right now but it but just fast forward it wasn't until i got here and i was thinking about it and i had some space that i went back to amy and i we had a talk the other day and i said hey amy i i'm really worried about this i or i'm starting to come to terms with some i i've been going a thousand miles per hour with everything including that as our example. And it wasn't just pickleballs, other things to work and other things. And I realized that, um, I wasn't dealing with dealing with me. That's what it was. I'm not dealing with dealing with me.
1: Yeah. And I would say that this is perfectly fine when we experience a death or a trauma or something big happens in our life. Because quite frankly, our nervous system cannot handle what's going on. Our nervous system cannot handle the death. It couldn't. The nervous system cannot handle whatever's happening. And some people will start drinking every day. So... Picking up a habit of pickleball, not so bad, right? <laughs> in my family?
0: <laughs> Holy crap. I am Yeah, family
1: I, of alcoholics and you chose pickleball, ga- that's a miracle. And al-
0: <laughs> gamblers and alcohol. I you met my uncle before he died. He lived in a trailer. That dude lived in I mean, he lived well. And by the time he was there, like, what happened? Gambled it all away. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my family. So pickleball, again, I could do worse.
1: You could do worse, but what I want to get to is it's 100% okay to have this sort of palliative care going on. That's what it is. It's palliative care, and I don't mean end-of-life care. I mean palliative mm-hmm. care during a very traumatic or stressful event. That's normal. In fact, some cultures prescribe alcohol for grief, and but then there's a point. There's a point. Then there's like, you hit the moment when your nervous system is ready to handle whatever it needs to handle. And then, you know, maybe start investigating, allowing yourself to feel. You know, we don't allow ourselves to feel. We are often just busying ourselves so we don't have to feel. And at midlife, you can't do that anymore. You actually have to be strategic about it, you have to say, Okay, I have been in this holding pattern for so long with my armor and my pickleball and my drinking and whatever I'm doing, and now I actually do need to feel something. Um, but that's what our nervous system does when it feels threatened: is it goes into these different, you know, these different patterns. And I think most people are familiar with fight or flight. Most people, when you think about stress, people are like, oh, are you fight? Or are you flight? And um, I'm definitely flight. And John, what in this particular instance, you know, it's not really like a flight pattern. That's not what we're talking about. When We're talking about more of like an acute situation. Does that make sense? Like if you feel stressed, mm-hmm. like what is the pattern? What do you fall into? And I usually, I need a minute like I need to run from the thing for a minute till I figure out how I'm feeling or thinking about it. John, I would say you're a fighter. You think that's accurate?
0: (laughs) I think, I think that's accurate. And it, it may be why we don't fight. Well, we, we, anyone like Amy and I, we're often referenced as like, oh yeah, model a couple goals or go, go, go If you saw us when we do fight, I don't know. you you, you maybe would see that we bring it back down to earth because not because we don't love and respect each other, we just have a different fight or flight response as Amy and I, we just talked about this the other day. And I was like, I think I'd fight in some cases, but when it comes to confrontation or I think I'm right, um, I fight immediately. I want to fix the situation immediately. And you do not. And so I am no, I'm talking to some people out there who are in this relationship where one is let's solve I've had this conversation. Let's solve this right now. Why wouldn't in my mind, why wouldn't we solve this right now? We could just solve this right now. We can work it all out this second. Why would we wait? Because my nervous system wants to do that. And yours is not fully not prepared to to do that. And so if you have one person pushing that and the other person walking away, mmm. Hmm. I could open a whole business just dealing with this. I think this is, this yeah. is astrological signs and uh, nervous system uh, compatibility. So,
1: right. So people talk about fight or flight and I, when you and I are in an argument or we have a breakdown, um, I'm definitely, I need space and time. I need my brain to like, calibrate because it's not even thinking if you are trying to fix something with me we can't fix it there's no fixing it because i can't even think right. i can't even think straight i couldn't even tell you what i want and john just will keep coming at me that doesn't go well because like this is this is the kind of shit where i'll like get in the car and drive away because i literally need him to stop talking at me <laughs> like stop it i'm leaving <laughs> yeah, you know, and we we talked to our therapists about this and guess what? What did they say?
0: They said I was right and that you were wrong.
1: <laughs> no, they did not. They said, you are gonna have to stop right. and wait for Amy to be ready. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I need to t- give you some sort of timeline. That's right. Like so, this isn't gonna go on forever. Let's talk about it at, you know, 7 p.m. tonight well, or whatever.
0: It, well, they also, I would <clears> say too, um, is that work that out ahead of time. That's what I was told from my therapist. Don't work it. Don't ever try to work out rules of engagement when you're in the fight. Uh, that doesn't work. But um, if we talked ahead of time, which we did, is if I know, like, hey, are you gonna come back when you do walk away, drive away, fly away, are we gonna be able to have a conversation? And he was like, Yes, I just I'm I'm gonna be at a point where I can talk and you have to hold on until and that's fair because I'm still gonna get what I want. It's just not instant. And Amy gets what she wants because she's gonna be able to walk away. And so if you have those rules ahead of time, when you're again when you're not in the fight, <laughs> you're in the fight, just it's too late. You should probably meet later. And so we I know that now. I know that. And I and I think when we argue, I, I'm better about recognizing when I see myself starting when Amy says she feels trapped, that jumped out at me. If you feel trapped in an argument, if I if a person is not allowing you to feel free, then something has to change immediately. That, that's what got me, Amy, is when you said you felt trapped. You literally felt like a an, like an caged animal. And it was, oh, my God, really? Oh, my gosh. See, I don't know that.
1: Well, I retreated to our bedroom, and you were still yelling. And you came down the hallway, and <laughs> we're standing in the door. And I was literally trapped in our room. <laughs> that's true. I was, like, going to jump out of the window was, onto the desk. This was a few years something. ago. You know? We've we worked it out. It that was a few not years ago. Since. But that yes. was the moment. Yes. That was the moment. Yep. Um, And when you realize that, you're like, oh, shit. Yeah, I definitely don't want to do this. But here's the thing. People talk about fight or flight. Mm -hmm. And there's all this new research that's come out in the last 20 years. And I remember learning about it back when my sister died because I was trying to wrap my head around that. What happened to her? And at the time my therapist was saying, well, um, you know, it's not just fight or flight, right? Like when people are in danger or when they perceive danger, or when they perceive stress, there's multiple reactions. It's not just fight or flight. And that was so helpful for me to learn about the other two. And the other two, one of them is freeze. And the other one I call appease. Now, some people in like the psychology space call it fawning, and I honestly think someone just wanted to have four Fs going on for marketing purposes. I don't know why they call it that because it doesn't like resonate to me anyway, but I like using the word appease. So freeze, a freeze response is literally you freeze, and if you've ever... um you got to look this stuff up on YouTube. You got to look up what happens to a possum when a predator comes after it. A possum will literally have like a dead freezing response and the predator will like pull it into its cave or den or whatever. And then when they all go to sleep, the possum like comes back to life and runs, right? So it it is a survival instinct. Um, the other one is appease. And so that means you're you're forfeiting whatever you want to just get the other person what they want so that you can just stop the fight or you can just stop the threat does that make sense so people who are a fighter so it's really 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 important the reason why i'm even going into this is because whether you're in a romantic relationship or if you are a coworker or a business partner or even i think about our children or on the playground or in school situations with administrators and teachers and coaches, that it's so important to know how you're going to respond and how the people around you are going to respond. That to me is more important than love languages. You know, the love languages everybody's always talking about. If you know your nervous system language, that's gold. And I have a lot more to say about this, but John. Well, that
0: was going to be my question, Amy, was was that, okay, you know what you are and and by naming those things that isn't a bad thing you're not it's not a label um and there's something wrong with you it's just you need to be aware of it that's what struck me when you said that and then going right into the kids imagine if you could understand each child's fight or flight because you're being treated kind of the same. freeze or appease yeah so like our kid you know he's 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 a, he's a fighter. So, you know, that would be different than another kid. Right. So that, that seems like really important what you're saying here.
1: So let me give you like some barometers. So fighters are usually stubborn. They argue to be right. They have a need to control. They can be explosive. Um, And they have this, like, they need to be understood and they, they, they need to justify something. Does that make sense? There's like something to fix and justify and control and like, um, dig in. Okay. Those are fighters, uh, flee flight, whatever you want to call it. A runner (laughs) is more like shut down, more shut down, avoid, um, doesn't like conflict, Uh, might avoid text emails, might sneak out. (laughs) Um, Maybe we'll even keep busy to avoid it. And you often see um, people who flee are often perfectionists as well. Uh, Freeze. You want to stay under the radar. You procrastinate. You're indecisive. Maybe you go into analysis paralysis. Um, you have anxiety, like high anxiety, you tend to isolate, go into depression and overwhelm. And th- and it's because you're kind of frozen in inaction. Does that make sense? Like you're so overwhelmed. It's just like you're frozen in inaction. Um, an appeaser will completely merge with the demands of the other person in order to neutralize a threat so you actually see this a lot in domestic violence or like sexual assault um because doing whatever the person is asking and is is safer feels safer does that make sense yeah um yeah i think which which is really you know like when i learned about appease yeah I was like, "Oh my gosh!" And by the way, if you think about kids in school who are not listened to, they may start like acting like the good kid, right? The quiet ones that are like reading and like just like staying under the radar. Those are your freezers and appeasers. You are essentially training people to be freezers and appeasers and perfectionists and like not speak up because when they get they speak up, it's threatening, you know if teachers or coaches or um, administrators are rewarding that behavior, does that make sense? Like,
0: yeah, it makes sense. And I feel like there's a, you can mix Clearly you can mix the two. You can be multiple things. Cause I tend to appease at some point because I Mm just, because that's a way to solve the problem, the fighting part, like you know, I want it resolved. So, well, if I just appease, then it's just going to be fine. <laughs> I don't have to deal with it anymore. That's not good, though. I know that in a, like in an argument, for instance, like I don't think that's sa- that's smart in a relationship to just appease the other person because you're building resentment because you're not actually talking about how you feel. And we've seen our own kid change how they how they act. in a situation so he's not the bad kid anymore right or he's not the in trouble kid maybe not the bad kid yeah so that does make sense
1: yeah so i know this sounds all negative a little bit and i don't mean it to i actually am just trying to spread light on or shine a light on like think of it as a cause and effect um but i will say that there are benefits to all of these so if you are a fighter, you know the sort of healthy side or the like beneficial side is you're potentially assertive. You are good at boundaries. You ask for what you need. You know those are all great things to look forward to if you're a fighter. If you are someone who flees or is a f- or takes flight, um, you know when to disengage. Um, you know, when to walk away and you trust yourself. You trust yourself like, I need to disengage. Um, if you're a freezer, you potentially have acute awareness of being in the moment. Mm. And you think before you act. And if you're an appeaser, you know, the flip side is you could be a, like a really good listener, um, a compassionate person. So it's not all... Negative, if that makes sense. It's not all like a bad thing. It's just, it's really, really, really important, I think, to understand where you stand and where the people in your life stand. And what John said is that, you know, some people will say things like, how you do one thing is how you do everything. That's such bullshit. That's not true at all. You know, I am never late for my patients. I think I've been late to a patient call like four times in my entire life. Yep. Doctors can be on time. I know it's crazy. Um, but taking my kid to soccer practice, guaranteed I'm going to be five minutes late. (laughs) You know, it's not true. How we do one thing is how we do everything. That is not true. Actually, we will respond to different situations depending on who the person is, what the power dynamic is. What's going on, and how we, and if we feel safe or not in any given situation.
0: Yeah, and being aware of it is is huge. You know, getting back to the sports, uh, because I'm aware of that, because I'm aware of like confrontation that I can't walk away. That I, I, if I'm not on top of knowing who I am, then I get in some stuff on. Well, in this case, the court. I may have had one or two brush ups on the court because I was feeling um disrespected or not believed or something was said i don't know what and i tend to i tended to get um in a lot of uh uh scrap uh, little fights when i was younger because of my mouth because i i'm a, i'm quick i can get back to you right away on something And I'm usually uh, can bring it down a level. (laughs) So, uh, but being aware of that has really helped me because then when I feel the anger or something like I feel I'm wronged, like if I just give myself a second, I'm going to be okay. I know this about me so I can now deal with it. And it's been, I got to be honest, it's been a big changer for me to know my nervous system a little bit more. So I'm with you on that. When we were talking about it before, I thought, you know what I mean? Like, here's all the things that you can be, or these are all the wrong symptoms. Like, these are all the things that are wrong, but they're not. They're just, it's just how you are. This is how you're built and your nervous system is built. So knowing is half the battle, right?
1: Yeah. Knowing is half the battle. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think um, this tool is super, super helpful in any of your relationships, you know? And, you know, but like where, if you're in like corporate America, how do you have these conversations (laughs) with people around you, right? right. Like you may end up just being an appeaser because you're just like, I just need this job. I just need my boss not to yell at me. I just need, you know, but I wish that we did have that ability to do that in business or in a work structure but if you, but you know, handle it with yourself first and handle it with your partner first, handle it with your kids first, handle it with the people closest to you first. Try to understand what each other's nervous system has a tendency towards, and also what those situations are. Cause I can absolutely be a freezer, appeaser, or a fighter <laughs> depending on the situation.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that to me makes sense. So <laughs> I'm feeling, I'm feeling more informed now, actually, than I, even earlier in this, in, when we started talking about this and it, yeah, I mean, it, it, again, stopping and knowing who you are and then dealing with it is important. And, and getting back to our original conversation, I'm glad I came here because now I'm able to take a break and really figure these things out and I think Again, that's if you can do that, if you can take a break then good, you should. So, and I have not played pickleball once over here by the way. I just like to point out I've stayed off the courts of New York and stayed on the streets where I'm starting to run again and and find, you know, find what I love.
1: You know, um this is not a conversation about John not playing pickleball. <laughs> you all know, them, right? <laughs> no, it's not. I love that he found something for him to do. He yes. loves playing pickleball. I want him to play pickleball. Uh, we're just using it as an example of something he did for himself when he need needed to palliate his nervous system when his sister died. And the beauty in it is that he reconnected with sports and team sports and playing sports with people in a competitive way that he loves. And also kind of started to learn where those edges were, um, where those edges were of like, pushing it and using it for something else, uh, using it as an escape, which isn't a bad thing, but it's just important to acknowledge. And it helps him calibrate his nervous system. He's a fighter. So put him on a competitive sport field for fuck's sake, you know, like get him out of our argument space in our house. (laughs) Yeah, And, and, and,
0: and another version of it was running. And if it wasn't this, this is just different. And the running, you can get away with it because you're training for a race. And if I have a race to train for, then I can run five or six days a week. But then it crosses over where now I'm running seven days a week. I'm not taking a rest day. I'm not, so this is, You know, and then when your partner, so Amy, I I just have to say, Amy is, early in this, we talked about it because it was a new thing and I wasn't really communicating and we had a good conversation about it and it was fine and then my sister died and then some things happened, whatever. She's never once said, you need to stop playing or there's something wrong here. It was when I brought it up. No, there's
1: no scorekeeping going on. There was no scorekeeping.
0: No, I just have to say- I'm not like, you went to pickleball. I'm going
1: to yoga. (laughs)
0: there's. First off, Amy, I don't think you come off as that person. To people who are new here, she is not that person. But it, it was me bringing it up. I said it. I said, I think this is getting a little unhealthy. I need to be a little more selective of when I go or when I have this activity. And I really- need to start focusing my, some of what little free time I have on my own health. And so since when I got, since I've been here in New York, I've been taking these nice long kind of short, not, I'm sorry, long, but nice like long short, short runs. runs, um, <laughs> slow runs for me anyway, you know, eight minute miles. Um, and then I, I've been meditating every day. I've been journaling every day. And I've been listening to some different podcasts about mindset and things that I love, that I really enjoy every day. And I realized the time I'm taking now for myself, for my really taking time, has been really healthy for me and my mental health. Now, the trick is when I get back to real life, I'm still working and doing stuff over here, but real life is, you know, I'm going to be parenting again and I'm going to be in my job every day. And, you know, um, is how do you apply these things once you get back and knowing your nervous system and knowing your tools is so important and taking that break and learning these tools and being, you know, in community, these things, Amy, um, I think we'll save lives. That's why we do this. So, um, or at least help lives.
1: Right. Um, I just want to say a little tip for those of you who, are in relationships and do either if someone's traveling for work, like maybe it's not, they're taking a break for themselves. They're just, they're traveling because their job is sending them somewhere. Um, Or, or going on a retreat by yourself or a vacation by yourself, or you're doing something that when you come back together, it's super, 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 super important to have like, A reintegration conversation. Is
0: that what we're having?
1: (laughs) And I mean this, and it's not just about your connection. It's what has been going down at the house since you've been gone, right? Like, like update. Like, okay, Susie no longer. So, John, let's do it now. Susie no longer needs her cone. Oh, thank God, I missed
0: that. Oh man,
1: (laughs) she's no longer on pain medications, but she still cannot go to daycare. Right? Like, you know. Yeah. This is where our son is right. and with his soccer or with right. the this thing or this is how his mindset's been about the, you know, whatever, his soccer practice, his soccer game, his school. This is what's going on at his school. These are the routines the teacher's asking us for. This is, you know, um Here's what's been going on with the laundry. It's piled up. Get your butt home and do some.
0: I do um, the laundry. <laughs> <saying.
1: laughs> you know, but you have to have a reintegration uh, okay. conversation. Okay, real
0: quick. How does that work with the person coming back? So I think there's a hesitation because you're the jackass who went away.
1: No, no, no. And like you're you, not the jackass. You, you, that's the that's first true. thing.
0: I'm, I'm fine. I am, I, am, I am serving that up incorrectly. Because
1: that means if I want to take a break, I'm a jackass. Like, no one's a jackass.
0: You're right. So if you're the person who is now journaled and meditated and run and is getting his shit together and is like, okay.
1: You come back and you say, here's what I've discovered about myself. Here's what I figured out that I need.
0: So this is where the scorekeeping comes in then. So the partner Mm -hmm. then probably shouldn't be like, I don't give a shit. The laundry's piled up. The dog is dying. You know, <laughs> like, like, I'm not saying you're going to do that, but that's the opposite of it, right? The That you have to be receptive to, like, some, you know, day-to-day things that you missed and not take it personally that you were gone for them. And then the other person has to really hear what their partner's been through on their own. Yeah. That's smart because if you come back and think everyone else has been doing what you've been doing, you're in for failure. You're in for, like, you're going to fail you're going to be resentful of people around you like well, why hasn't everybody yeah. else
1: been just you know
0: running around central park and like getting their shit together like i did
1: no but that's why the you
0: the read, um great. reintegration
1: conversation is so important I love because it. then yeah no go ahead are we talking over each other now no no i um, i just
0: love what you're saying
1: but i want you to see it as an opportunity if you are pissed at your partner for meditating and running and taking time for themselves, that's just telling you that that you need that. So instead of being pissed at them, be like, oh, what can we learn together as a couple? I need that too. Me too. You'd like raise your hand. Like, oh my God, that's a great idea. I need to be meditating. And how can, how can we make it happen? Right. Not that must be nice. Oh God, don't
0: do that. Don't ever do that, anybody.
1: Good for you. Oh, yeah. That well, must I, be blah, nice. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> if you're saying that to anyone, by the way, that just means you're jealous yes. and there's something in with something they're doing that you want to do. And so get off your ass and figure out how you can do it. Okay. You coming back there's from a retreat
0: box. was what kind of motivated me. Like, oh, I should do that. Because it just sounded so nice. It just sounded nice. I wasn't like, oh, Amy. I, You know, I don't mind taking care of the kids on my own and all that stuff. I'm happy you're taking care of yourself. It makes me, that brings me joy. But- I remember thinking though, yeah, you're totally dead on. Cause I think that's where it originally came from in my head. Like, oh, I should, I should do something. I had to do Then of course, <laughs> then, of course that led to a retreat talk led to our own retreat. So like, you know, we're, we're kind of living. Yeah.
1: We're hosting a retreat we're kind of living and this what didn't we're talking come from about. nowhere. Yeah. We didn't just one day pull it out of our <laughs> ass. Right. Like,
0: what if we did one?
1: And I want to make a distinction about the retreat that we're hosting is that it's not just a vacation. Yeah. It is a curated experience that we want to build connection. We want you to feel like you belong. We want you to take a look at your life in midlife. And that might seem scary, but I promise you we'll make it fun and safe to be vulnerable and to come out of it with a clear sense of like what you need and what you want out of your life. And if you're in a couple, like what you two or three, or maybe you're in a throuple need to move forward in life. And, and at this next phase as midlifers and to experience some awe and wonder and beauty, you know, it's the whole Joshua tree piece, but it's going to be really, really great.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited about it. It's first um one, clearly I've been on with Amy and what we're planning is awesome. We're going to do a live podcast too. We're going to be in the same room in uh in yeah. Palm Springs doing this. And we just our whole mission statement is um bringing people together in community and just you know, trying to make the world a better place through our own mental health and through all of us being together and being kind to one another and like figuring this out because you know, we only get one of these, we might get more, we don't know for sure. But when I, when we talked about it and I thought about how we could do more and you thought about that, this popped right up. So I think it's going to be life changing. I think it's going to be for me life changing. Um, I don't say that lightly. I've had many life changing events, including living here in New York for a while. I wish everyone could do for at least a month cuz it'll change your life um and how you see things just one hot 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 human garbage pile of just good stuff it's just amazing right so you take these chances you do these things and um you got to you got to yeah you just trust yourself on this one so I'm looking forward to it yeah
1: yeah I guarantee a shift in how you're living your life yeah. after this retreat I guarantee it I'll put my money down on that. Um, we got to definitely uh, move on with our day. Yeah. We got to yeah. wrap this sucker yep. up. Um, John, I appreciate you. Oh, thank you. And I appreciate you advocating for your mental health. That's nice. I do. Like, I appreciate you advocating for your mental health and being honest with me.
0: Yeah. I, 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 And then since I got here, I feel like I realized I was going not just 100 miles per hour in my life, but each, how do I put this? Each thing in my life was going 100 miles per hour and maybe faster. Each thing, my sport that I like or my, my relationship or my work or my other works,
1: Children. My children,
0: it, I don't know how to put this. It, it, it was, it's, it was like, um, all of it was going too fast all the time. And my, ah, 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 at all times, and I, and each thing, you couldn't realize that each was doing that. And it all added up to you really, um, really worried about my mental health. And it almost, it could have got worse. And um, I don't know how else to put that, but that's what I—that's the conclusion I came to within 48 hours of being here. I almost flew home because I had to deal with this. <laughs> and he said, why would you do that? Don't do that. <laughs> like, you're good. Um, but that just shows you how strong this is. So it took that. And so thank you. Um, slowing down and figuring these things out is to me, the, one of the keys of life. If you can't do that, you might be going. And when I say you're going fast, that doesn't mean you're working too hard, right? Like, oh, you just work so hard. It's that you're so you're hundred miles per hour, hating your job or hundred miles per hour, like avoiding your job, or you're just moving so fast. Um, you can't slow down and then all the things collide. So anyway, that went on way too long. I'm sorry, but I just, you really hit something there. And I, I, I really, I'm glad we can talk about our mental health. That's for sure to each other and to, to the public. So there you go. All right.
1: Well, be sure to follow us on Instagram, Yeah. the doctor and the DJ, doctor and the DJ, be sure to go to our link in our bio. Link in bio. It's that link. If you go, you click on like our, the doctor and the DJ and Instagram, you click there, yeah. it's pulls up our bio. And then there's like a link you click on that. And you'll find the YouTube and how to watch us on YouTube. You'll find our both of our websites for my business, Craft and & Clinic and John's Record Club. You'll also find a link to our retreat. If you're interested in the retreat, uh, we still have spots left. And I would love to see you there. I promise you, just like the Talking Heads song, this is a once-in-a-lifetime experience that we're curating and we want you to feel loved and nourished and create a space for you that you'll come out of it with a guaranteed shift in your perspective and how you feel about the rest of your life and like how you want to approach it. Um, um, yeah. Yes, John. I was just going to
0: say big thanks to our friends at Ruinous for a busy week getting us up. And I real shout out too, to, to my friend, David Crafa and everybody at the Cutting Room Studios in New York. They're a, uh, home away from home. It's where I am today. They opened up a second studio over here in Manhattan. They're killing it over here. Uh, if you're a musician or you're recording, you look into the Cutting Room Studios in New York. It's amazing. Those These guys have been really helpful too. So I really appreciate it. Thank you all. Who else? Yeah. Anyone else? Thank
1: you all. No, we, we have some guests coming up and we will be announcing those. Yeah. And... We send emails to you and let you know if you're on our email list, you'll hear about all the things we're doing first. So you can go to the doctorandthedj.com and sign up for our email list, yep. and so that you're just kind of easily in the loop with everything going on. Yeah, follow Amy at Crafting Clinic
0: and myself at DJ John Richards. And our by the way, our theme music, didn't even thank him last week because we're getting so used to this again, is Michael Lerner. Mr. Telekinesis, with our uh, Doctor DJ. I forgot about that. So thank you, buddy. Uh, Big shout out.
1: Go ahead. I was just gonna say Happy Hump Day. Just (laughs) that's good. Have a good rest of your day.